What's up, friends? Welcome to who knows what episode of Beyond the Cover podcast with me, your host, Becky Kahn. I promised you guys that we would have another special guest because it's just so much more fun that way, let's be honest. Um, so today, in the house, not we're not in the closet. Not in the closet. Not in the closet. Not anymore. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Um, I have in the flesh Jeremy Jones. <laughs> we were just talking about me having to get one of those applause buttons or something, and I know I've said that before on my podcast. I really do need to do that because it's exciting that mm-hmm. you're here, and I want the audience to feel the excitement, you know. And they can't feel that whenever there's crickets. Oh turning. yeah. Chirping, uh, you know. The crickets are cheering. They're cheering. <laughs> the crickets are definitely cheering. They're definitely cheering. They're I feel it. Cheering. I feel it. I am so, I mean, like, honestly, you know, we talked beforehand, but I really am excited that you're here. I am, um, I'm humbled that you're here and really uh, anticip- in anticipation for today's podcast yeah. because I think that it's um, so needed and it's coming from each of us i believe a a really vulnerable place Mm -hmm. and um there's a lot to discover and a lot to see on the other side of the discussions that we're going to be having so Mm -hmm. super excited about that so jeremy tell us who you are tell us about yourself what makes you tick what doesn't all that good stuff okay so um i have a very very short but long story because <laughs> you know uh, I'm only 27 year old, years old so people think I'm a young buck but I feel like I've year, lived such a long life yeah um, so like I said I'm 27 years old uh, I am originally from New Orleans Louisiana I Shout did not know people. that okay yes, I am from New Orleans Louisiana a lot of people mistake me for because of my accent I pick up accents very easy uh, so especially if I'm hanging around with like a bunch of my Hispanic friends, they start thinking I'm from the like, Dominican Republic or something. Oh, wow. Because I will pick up the, mm-hmm. the Latin accent very easy. Um, and it doesn't help that sometimes I'll speak in like Spanish. But it's, it's funny. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, He's a chameleon. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> so from New Orleans, Louisiana, um, I have been on and off in Texas for about, geez, I want to say like, maybe seven years altogether. Um, when I originally moved here, I moved here because I was in Bible college. Um, shout out to SUM, School of Urban hey. Missions. That's where I'm from. <laughs> um, you either like it or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we got some fans, I feel like, on the other side. I feel like Probably, it. but I'm talking about if you went there, you know what I mean. You like it or you don't. There's, <laughs> there's no in between. Got it, got it. <laughs> so anyways, we moved here, and it has been just a wild ride because... You know, uh, I really believe that God used that as a vessel to get me to move over to Houston so I could be a part of everything that's going on at Resonation. It is such an amazing, and I'm not trying to plug the church. I'm not. But. Why not? I cannot. <laughs> I know. I cannot discredit the amount of growth I've had while being a part of Resonation. Wow. It's been amazing. The, it's just. Go God, Jesus. I love mm-hmm. the, the amount of community we have there. Um, so I have been pretty much doing full-time ministry since I was like. 14, 15 years old, actually. Wow. Because um, I was one of those kids that, you know, once I got in, I was ready. I'll hit the ground running. You know, I started small serving at cafes, you know, at youth and stuff yeah. like that. Then I was on the worship team uh, going to, like, every steeple event that you can imagine that we needed anyone help anyone to help with at church. 
Um, and once I got into Bible college, I was working full-time, also doing school full-time, and a part of our school was the requirement for you to do ministry. So I was pretty much doing ministry full-time. Because, mm. you know, um, the, the way our schools were set up is that you had uh, each school cohort, because it's like we have a main campus that's in Sacramento, California, but then there's cohorts all around the U.S. and even um, in certain places like in India and stuff like that. Wow. Overseas. Um, and they're set up under a parent church. And so you have like the parent church that kind of just like giving you that cover of protection where you can meet and actually do like ministry there. So um, I've also was doing full-time ministry practically because uh, I went in for youth ministry. Yeah. Didn't really want to do youth ministry. So what's up with that? Well, I'm a worship leader and mm. I've known that I was a worship leader since I was like four years old. Yeah. You know, because we used to go to church, and for whatever reason, I felt God every single time worship started. Wow. I just knew he was there. I didn't really know that that was feeling God. Yeah. But I knew he was there. And um, I've always known for a while, for, for as long as I can remember, that I just loved worshiping. So mm -hmm. the fact that they didn't have a worship curriculum, it was like, you know what, that's fine. I want to give back to, I want to pay it forward, you know, because someone helped me along when I was a youth, and I want to pay it forward for these kids that don't sure. have anybody else sure. to rely on. And, you know, it's so true, like what they say, you know, everybody's made so different because I'm going to be able to reach someone you're never going to be able to reach. Yep, it's true. And um, that was really, like, just honed in, especially when I was doing youth ministry, because there would be some people that, you know, you you just see a kid sometimes and you're just like, I want to love on this child. Yeah. You know, I want to help them get through what they're going through. And no one else sees what you're seeing. And it's just like that that was that was like the the saving grace for me going into youth ministry mm -hmm. as my um my focus in in school but um at the same time you know it's been it hasn't always been like sunshine and rainbows you know yeah. i've gone through my fair share of ups and downs you know walking with god um i've had people that were close to me hurt me in so many different ways while doing ministry um but at the same time you know god has always been so faithful and yeah. every single time you know like He's always led me through the journey, <laughs> and it's been really weird because before I knew um, how deeply I moved in the prophetic and stuff like that, you know, hey, head signs if you ha aren't one of those people that believe in that type of movement, but mm -hmm. I do also move in the prophetic um, on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he says way. so, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. And before I even really understood, like, the giftings that, that he, he had bestowed upon me, it was one of those things where I'd be going through something and he'd be like, hey, I want you to read this scripture. You know, let's read this scripture. Let's meditate on this. Let's pray about this. You know, mm -hmm. remove yourself from this. And that's been like a constant thing. You know, like, how are you going to react to this? And that would be the thing that he would always kind of talk, talk to me and just like kind of get me off of my uh, one war path when things would go sour sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I have been doing worship leading for... Gosh, since I was probably 14. Mm -hmm. No, definitely since I was 14. Been a worship leader. Did not actually ever see myself being on stage talking to anyone about anything. And there mm -hmm. are some stories I can tell you from when I first started that will show you how graceful God has been with me. <laughs> <laughs> we probably all have those stories somewhat. Like, what in the world was I thinking? What was he thinking allowing me to have that platform? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it's wild because... I can tell you that uh, definitely over the over years and him tempering me, my righteous mm. fury has gone, been honed 
righteous fury righteous fury come on okay. because there are there are times when like there one time in particular um there are these kids they were like texting and talking while we were leading worship and i got really really furious mm. but it wasn't even just because like they were just being kids you know like that's what it is but it was to the point where i felt like they were disrespecting god in that moment and so I was just like, okay, guys, I don't know what y'all think this is, Whoa. but I need you to have some respect. And if you don't have respect, I'm literally going to throw this microphone at you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, well, I'm just coming, in. just coming <laughs> in. And, and the funny thing is that my um, my youth pastor was my spiritual father, so he was just like, I ain't even mad. Like he was like, you put them in their place. <laughs> but he's like, please. Time, don't. Like, but he's like, no, don't throw a microphone at them, okay? Those are expensive. <laughs> not even about throwing the microphone it's like yeah this is expensive to replace so <laughs> yeah so it's been it's been really great he's been really gracious with me um mm-hmm. so i went from worship leader and youth to and also you know at the same time being a youth leader um to actually being um a worship pastor at a church at one point and also being a youth pastor at a church huh. yeah uh, it was crazy. <laughs> Doing both of those at the same time was wild. It was um, that, so at the same church, you were the worship pastor and the student pastor? Okay. Yeah, I started as just like the worship leader and, well, the worship pastor. And um, at one point, we just had a, the gap. And so someone just threw my name out in a meeting that I wasn't even a part of. And I was oh, just that's like. that's the way it happens. I, mm-hmm. That is exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the right of passage for a worship leader. You're just a young person. <laughs> you're doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Everything's going gravy. Hey, you're going to be the new worship leader. I'm the I mean, wor- new uh, youth pastor. pastor. And I'm yeah. just like, what? Oh, okay. Uh, I I guess I'll have the time for this. Yeah. So you didn't get to say, um, I don't feel like the Lord told me that. <laughs> no, because it, <laughs> at the same time, you know, like, I was I was completely on board with it, even though, like, I knew I really didn't have the time. I was going to have to make the time. Mm-hmm. But you make time for what you love. That's true. And, I, again, I still have that passion for youth. You know, I want to see them kind of skirt around the the mistakes that I did, you know, like yeah. really, and and the, the most amazing thing about youth is like when they really start to get it and yeah. they really understand yes. like what we're doing this yes. for, and you know, like who we're for and finding their identity in Christ. And it's just such an amazing thing because youth, and I tell people this all the time, youth have a way of understanding that adults just don't. It's true. And if you treat them on the level where they're supposed to be treated, because some people just treat them as children, if you treat them on a level where they're supposed to be treated and you really just come at them with like transparency and honesty, they completely take it and they'll run with it. Yeah. And they're so passionate. They just want so you to sweet. be authentic, you know? They do. That's it. They do. And I just like, I don't understand why some people miss that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, fast forward, I ended up um, going through quite a bit of stuff since I was a worship pastor and a, a youth pastor. And um, ended up leaving the church for about two years. Mm. At first, it was because I took a job that prevented me from going to church on Sundays, mm. which was, you know, I just, I needed a job. Hey, you know. You wanted to pay bills? I had to pay bills. <laughs> I had to survive. Um, and that was just the thing. Um, it was just very strange in that whole little season. And then during that time period, you know, like, I ended up honestly just kind of walking away from it all because I was burnt out. Mm. I was very burnt out. Um, There was a lot of stuff that happened during that time period where I'd be going to church on Sundays, you know, doing the motions, going through everything. And I always had this image of myself kind of drowning and would always be just above the surface of the water. Wow. And I'd be looking for someone to like kind of just reach out their hand and like help me. But there Mm. was always no one around. 
Mm-hmm. And that was like the image that stayed with me during that time period when I was um, at the church and I was very depressed and everything like that. So I just ended up burnt out. Once I ended up taking that job, I just kind of like phased myself out altogether. Do you think that you used that job, I mean like almost subconsciously to escape what? I think it's highly possible, but at the same time, I had already known at that point that God didn't really want me to stick around where I was. Mm. I was kind of just filling the gap uh, mm-hmm. because they had they had no one else that could yeah. do it. So you it know? wasn't necessarily like your where you were supposed to be, but yeah. God didn't say no, yeah. so it yes, was it's like permissive will. Yes, let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, and that was a that was a, also a point where <laughs> he was like, "Hey, so." Uh, you, you have a little bit of a savior complex, buddy. We need to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> just tossing that out there. Um, so I ended up leaving the church altogether and just kind of like was on my own for two years. Luckily, I had like two amazing friends uh, who are worship pastors at Risen. And they just were like constantly just being sweet with me saying, hey, you know, we're going to this church. We know you're not going anywhere. Do you want to just come through and like mm. just like be there? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to serve. You don't have to do anything at all. And on occasion, I'd come through. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I was dealing with quite a bit. And that is getting us to the subject matter of what we're talking about today. Great. Um, so I, I told you all this stuff to get you guys like an introduction and to really get you a background on who I am and who what God has been using me to do in ministry. Um, but the thing about all of this is that it bubbled to a head because, yes, I was dealing with depression, but all of that, the root cause was the fact that I am same-sex attracted. Yeah. So when I left for two and a half years, I left and I just kind of was doing my own thing. But at the same time, like, the hardest part for me was reconciling what I felt with what God's Word said. Mm. Because you grow up and you're reading all of this stuff, and you know, and you're you know that from reading the the, the scriptures that hey, everything you feel, you know, the way you're you kind of want to have your lifestyle go is an abomination. Be mm. be a scripture. So it's all about reconciling like how that is said with what how God is viewing you. Yeah. Because never once, and this is for anybody that's dealing with this or anybody that knows anybody that is dealing with this, I hope you come at them with the same grace that God gives you regarding your sin. It's never going to be a part of condemnation. He'll convict you, but he's never going to condemn you. And so if you feel like you're, you're just this horrible person that you're not supposed to be alive, which that is a lot of what I yeah. thought when I was growing up, you need to understand that God does not view you in that light, that he completely and totally adores you. Mm. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle, but he does find find you lovely and beautiful, and you're still his son or daughter. Did you, whenever you um, decided, like you got burnt out, mm. you were going through the depression, and you decided to step away because... In your words, I think, like, step away from the church mm-hmm. as, as a whole, you know, capital C. Um, so you weren't really going anywhere. Was it that you you felt that conviction? And so, not condemnation, but you felt a mm-hmm. conviction and, and you wanted to kind of run from that? Or you didn't really, you knew what you knew based mm-hmm. on 
all the things that you have, have learned and the intimacy that you've spent with the Lord, mm. obviously, you know. Um, and so was it that you were running away from that because you didn't want to feel the conviction or was it that, was it something else? So during a time period before, because we have to backtrack, before I left the church for the two and a half year time span it was, um, I can honestly say that I really was not, and, I, and it's really hard for me to say this because it does seem selfish all over, but it was not a, a, a truly selfish like motive behind me leaving. Okay. Um, again, I did not feel like I was supposed to be at the church. I did not feel like that's where God wanted me to be planted and grow anymore. And I stayed there for like a year and a half besides that point okay. because yeah. I was praying the entire time, God, please send someone that can like fill my spot. Mm -hmm. Show me someone that I can train to take over like the, the reins of being the worship pastor. Um, but also during that time period, um, just like I kind of touched on before we started the podcast, I had this image of myself constantly just drowning, but my head was always above yeah. the water, always above the waves, looking out for someone that could come alongside me and help me. Yeah. So I sought out very many different people during that time period to talk about the intentionally. fact that intentionally, uh. I had no mentors. Mm -hmm. I had no one I could, I had really no strong community base during that time period even being on staff at a church. being on staff there was no one I felt that was available for me to go and talk to mm -hmm. about my issues mm -hmm. because honestly most people don't know how to talk about the fact that someone's same-sex attracted mm -hmm. and so I felt very alone during the whole thing mm -hmm. and I kept seeing I kept saying God please send me someone that I could talk to send me somebody that can like be my mentor and like every aspect because at that point I was already starting to know that I was awakening to prophetic giftings mm -hmm. and so he even was like you need to go get under this person that's a prophet yeah. go talk to them I got swept under the rug there was a deliverance ministry at the church that I was attending I did it twice first time was when I was in Bible college so that was like seven years ago they actually had a, a ministry and I went in and had my little consultation with the the pastor that was over it talked about my issues and stuff like that and um it just kind of got swept under the rug so you in that you talked about homosexuality or yeah i talked did. about homosexuality I talked about i straight up was transparent it was super hard for me to do i was trembling while i was talking to her because i thought that i was going to end up getting like rebuked or like told that i had to step down from my positions during the time whatever yeah. it may be i was ready for it because i wanted god to really do something in my life but again Got Nothing. swept under the rug. Wow. And then flash forward to this two-year period, there was another deliverance ministry. Everybody was like, hey, you know, we want all of our leaders to go through this thing. Um, it's very good. It's like a weekend retreat. Go do it. Went and did it. The entire time, I'm like fasting it. I'm like going after it. I fasted the week before I even went because I'm like, God, I want you to do something. Yeah. I want you to show yourself evident for me. I'm like, I am fully expectant that you are capable of doing everything that your word says you can do and so much more than what we already know because you're a God that has literally the Alpha and the Omega. You created mm -hmm. everything. I know this is nothing for you to handle. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm there and we're talking and they're just going through all these things and there was a lot of good that happened. There was. And there was a lot of times when, you know, I was brought to tears, but it wasn't over like him, quote unquote, delivering me or healing me from being same-sex attracted. Nothing happened. And so... Okay, so... Pause right there, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so when, this is a strong statement. Yeah. 
But people will say, mm-hmm. pray the gay away. Yeah, they will. Right? Pray the gay away. Pray it out of them. And you're like, you're going to this deliverance ministry. Mm-hmm. And not that you're saying like, I'm trying to pray the gay away. But like you're saying, I wanted to be, and tell me if I'm misspeaking, mm-hmm. but you're saying, I wanted to be delivered from the same sex attraction. Yes. Like I, I wanted to not be attracted to yeah. other men. Yeah. And so people that get enraged with mm-hmm. the pray the gay away, what do you say for those people? Because like, I think that there's something to be said there because it does that. I don't want to say it upsets me when people like say that, but like it does stir a little something in me and we'll get into the personal side for me yeah. later. But like it does stir a little something in me because we've had a lot of discussion in our household about, are you born that way? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so, so, okay. I'm speaking from my por- my perspective and I know this is probably going to like raise up some people's hackles, you know, but I honestly know and I believe because I'm one of them that there are a fraction of us that are actually born same sex attracted. Mm-hmm. We don't inherently, cause you know, they say it's a choice. A lot of people say claim that it's a choice. Yes, it is a choice for some people because they go through some type of trauma. They go through some type of like uh, abuse that ends up making them not want to deal with the opposite sex. That is a thing. There's also a large fraction of the gay community that is just over-sexualized. You know, yeah. like they're just so deeply rooted in the debauchery of it all that they're just kind of, they've lost who their identity is. Yeah. And I've read countless articles. I've talked to people you know, I have seen story after story of people saying, you know, like they want this to happen, but there are a fraction of us that we fully are devoted to Christ and we're trying to live lives of celibacy and everything like that because we see what the word says, but we're constantly praying for this and nothing happens. Yeah. And it took me a long time to reconcile those things because I prayed for 23 years. God, can you please take this away from me? You know, and one of my prayers, especially when I was younger, is like, if you're real, wow. please do this for me. Because yeah. I want to be normal. I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to have to be constantly think like worrying about if I go to this event and I act a certain way, or if I talk a certain way, or if I move a certain way, somebody's going to think I am gay. They're going to come to the conclusion of it. And so that also developed a bunch of self-hating, self-loathing and anxiety. And that also caused a lot of uh, depression because I could not, I couldn't develop mentally as the person that I was supposed to be and it's really it's really great because you know like I'm looking back on it all after all these years and I'm seeing how God has just been so gracious and helpful in these matters because if you guys are seeing the completed picture at this point so you see me go about the church and you see me be super bubbly in the morning sometimes and I'm like going around hugging people depends if you had your coffee or not well it's not even coffee (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) a lot of times I tell people um and this is kind of sidebar but I tell people all the time that I'm not a morning person but give me a few seconds with Jesus and that'll turn around yeah because then the joy comes yeah. and it's it's always been a beautiful thing but going back to what I was saying um I am the person that God created me to be at this moment so you see a lot of the joy come through and I even posted like this post on Facebook before where uh, they had taken a picture of me and I was just, I was smiling and it seemed so serene, so peaceful in this picture. And I was like, y'all don't understand like how much this means to me because back when I was younger, this couldn't have happened. I couldn't have been so joyful. I couldn't have been so content in doing what I was doing. I couldn't have 
been joking with anyone in any type of matter because I would have been thinking, if I do this, they'll figure it out. They'll know what I know. And then my family will disown me or my friends will stop liking me or I don't know, I'll end up on the street. You know, whatever going through your mind at that young age. Because this is like, this breaks my heart because he's the first, like, I don't get emotional on a podcast very often, but I think that, like, we don't talk, like, how, we are so missing it as, as Christians. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you, why would you feel like, why can I, as a Christian, and I, let me just put this in, I can love you whenever, um, okay, student ministry, mm-hmm. okay, I can't tell you how many students came to me and said, I'm having sex with my boyfriend, or I'm having sex with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. or I had students that got pregnant, you know, or yeah. like whatever, why why is it okay for us to love them and like be okay with like where they are and love them where they are and love them through it and walk with them alongside of it but you can't laugh <laughs> you know what i mean because you feel like somebody everybody mm. you know in the church or in, in your in your circle or in your reach yeah. are going to disown you or not speak to you anymore or like whatever like we're so we're so missing it and kids are killing themselves yes. they're killing themselves because they feel like they have they they don't belong anywhere yeah. you know like what are we doing yeah. you know so that's true and it was always a hard thing to do because and i don't really know like the ramifications of it all um, but growing up, and especially when I started walking with Christ, it was always a, a mano a mano thing, you know, like just him and me. And I was always kind of just like, okay, well, looking back, I was always kind of like, why? Like, why is that a thing? And I think a lot of that was because I didn't feel like I could trust anybody enough to like talk about my issues. Because again, I was like wanting to do all these things with the church, wanting to do these things with God. But a lot of times, especially in the whatever, let's say the church with a capital C, you see someone come out and they say something about being homosexual, but they immediately get told you can't do any of these ministries that you're a part of anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to take a seat. Whereas on the flip side, and I'm not really trying to name drop, but you'll see like a major pastor or worship leader, whoever, get found out that they're committing adultery and they don't even get benched. Yeah. You know, they, they go through a process of, oh, you need to, like, confess your sins to the church, and then, you, like, you can keep walking. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, well, why? Yeah. Why is there a difference? You know, God says all sin is the same. And whether whether um, you believe that this lifestyle is a sin or not, because I know there are some people, a vast majority, that don't, it's still the same thing. It's seen as, like, this unholy thing that's just completely just wrong within the church's eyes. And that makes it so hard for anyone that's dealing with what I'm dealing with, what I dealt with, to ever feel like they can come out to someone that's a Christian because mm-hmm. you're just immediately going to think, hey, they're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. First of all, and that like goes into the whole thing of why are you trying to judge someone if you yeah, are? It's not our job, yeah. Exactly, it's not our job. And <laughs> it's really sad because um, when I was in Bible college, uh, our main thing was street witnessing. We did it all the time. And I remember distinctly this one day when we were out there, we had this huge Mardi Gras outreach where we were going witness to like thousands of people. And God really told me to go. He, he really wanted me to go and witness to these two, this couple. They weren't actually together, but it was a boy and a girl. And so I just go up and I start talking to them. And before I can even like, just, I was just going to be relational. 
because mm -hmm. that's how I am with everything. You know, I'm just, I, I believe that that's how Christ wants us to approach every type of quote unquote witnessing aspect. You know, you build your relationship with someone and then you yeah. can bring in Christ. Yeah. Um, so I'm going up and I'm trying to talk to them. I'm just, I literally just came up and was like, hey, how you guys doing? You know, like, I really like your hair, da 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 da, stuff like that. They looked at me, looked at my shirt that had our insignia on it and was like, oh, you're one of those Bible thumpers. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I was just like, no, actually, I'm not. You, I know you're talking about those people over there with the crosses and everything. They're like telling y'all, y'all are going to hell for being out here. I'm like, that's not my job to judge. Mm. They heard nothing yeah. I said and immediately just started being super like against the church. One of them, the girl, she got to the point where both of them are obviously a part of the homosexual community. She literally looked and... I don't know if it was like I would have to have been the enemy working. Uh, she literally like looked around and she's like, oh, so you're out with this group. And she started talking about all of the girls that were with our, our class in such like vulgar and descriptive ways Wow! that the righteous fury came on me again. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk away before I do something I'm not going to regret. Wow. Mm. And so I was just like, again, it was just like solidified, you know, like how badly this community has been like mistreated by the church yeah. that the someone just walking up to them trying to be relational with them trying to build like a rapport with them immediately yeah. gets hit by a wall yeah. yeah you know and it's just like it's very sad to me because at that time you know i honestly was going to tell them you know no i actually am same-sex attracted like i want you to know that this is a safe place i'm not coming at you from the same way they're going to come at you yeah because that's not what god is about but it's 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 just a hard subject overall, yeah. honestly. And even going through the process that God has been leading me through. So <laughs> we're talking about this process, and we're talking. Uh, I I told you earlier, my motto is full transparency. Yeah. Now, God is like, okay, so let's test how full fully you want to be transparent. In the past few uh, weeks. So. Um, it started very strangely because remember I move in the prophetic very often. So everything we do in the physical mirrors what happens in the spiritual, mm. right? That is just a common thing. Everything we do in the spiritual, everything we do in the physical mirrors with the, the supernatural. So when we lift our hands and worship, we're, we're doing it as a sign of surrender, you know? And when we speak, we're literally shifting the, the heavenlies around us, the supernatural and we're, we're speaking literal life in a certain situations when we move in, yeah. those, in those ways. Now, see, in the prophetic, it gets to a, a very funny degree where you literally will be doing something in the physical and not realize that it's affecting you supernaturally. So there was this one day, and I know it sounds weird, but hang with me. There was one day, I was over, it was after youth, and we were talking. We ended up talking to... Um, the, the lady that lets us house, uh, do our, our services there. I'm not trying to name drop. Mm -hmm. um, and that day I had my guitar on my back. I had my backpack kind of slung on my shoulder and I was holding a gallon of <laughs> Honor Palmer, but it was like Chick-fil-A stuff, uh -huh. like, you know, mixed. And I held that for an hour straight. And Just all standing three. there talking. Yeah, because I thought we were going to be leaving at some at any time soon. And... It didn't actually affect me physically, but it affected me supernaturally. And God used that to, to demonstrate the fact that I had picked up burdens that he did not want me to carry. Wow. 
So for the next month and a half, I had this supernatural pain in my neck. And I, as I was describing it to like some of my peers, um, one of them ended up saying, you know, it sounds like you have a yoke on you. Mm-hmm. And then she sent me a picture of like an actual yoke on an oxen. Mm-hmm. And I saw the way it was placed on the, the, the oxen's neck. And I was like, that's exactly where I'm feeling this pain. Wow. And so God was, I was just like, okay, well, God, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do about this? And, he's like, and so I started praying about it and I got them to pray for me. And at first I was just, I kind of just was thinking that it was just a regular thing. And I was like, no, it has to be something different. Because I remember distinctly sitting in our, um, where we're, where we're, the event hall where we're housing our church right now. And I was sitting on those chairs in the big front. It was those really regal looking ones by the wall. <laughs> Um, the and chairs. I couldn't think, uh, yeah, I couldn't mm-hmm. sit in the regular like chairs we have for the congregation because my neck was hurting so badly. Wow. And it was at the end of service and I literally just ran up in there on impulse and was like, okay, I need y'all to pray for me. And so I got her and I got one of the other pastors to pray for me and they both said, we feel like you've taken up some stuff that you shouldn't have. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. And this is why you're going through this pain. And so they were like, what's going on? And the first thing that came to mind was the fact that God has been saying, you know, like, I wanted you to tell people about what we've done together. You know, like, he, he was saying, you keep dancing around the fact that you're same-sex attracted, and I don't like it. Wow. Every time you've talked about, like, your ex, because we're going to go back into that. Every time you talked about your ex, you say they, when you need to be addressing it for what it is. And the reason you need to do that is because there are people that are around you, that I've placed around you, that need to hear your story and they need to understand my power and my love that came through your story. Wow. Yeah. And since you're denying that, you're denying everything that I've done with you. Wow. And that's taking my glory from me. And so he brought me through a process, literally an entire month, of me discovering the areas that, I, that he wanted to highlight so I can have full transparency. So it went from me telling people in my community group, hey, you know, this is what it is. You know, uh, this is what it is, you know, yeah. like, so if you ever hear me talk about someone, this is what it is. You know, I, w- I left the church for two and a half years. During that period, I did not intend on having a relationship, yeah. but I ended up getting into a relationship because I was like, does God actually like even like care at this point wow. type of deal? Because you know, I'm like, I'm not really from him. I'm not doing anything with him. But it was it was a very, very hard season, honestly. Um I tell people all the time during that season, uh, I heard this thing from Kim Walker like years ago about how humanity is born with this God-shaped hole in their heart. And the only thing that can fill him, fill it, fill that space is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I had never really truly understood those words until I went through that season of me being away from the church for two years. Mm. Because the entire time, he would always come to me and be like, hey, I just want to talk. Yeah. Hey, come love on me. Hey, just come be with me. And I would keep building up a wall saying, I don't want to talk to you right now. Leave me alone. Did a that worship come song from come a come sense on. of like not feeling worthy or separated or so you were angry because he you asked him to deliver you and, and he didn't? I never got or? angry with him. I will say that, which is very strange in and of itself because I think that many others in my position would be angry. But... Honestly, because of my relationship with God, I just loved him too much to ever say I, I'm going to get mm-hmm. angry with him. Um, now, I think there was, there, no, there definitely was, I don't think, there was a bunch of uh, feelings of unworth. Uh, because 
you're doing these things that you constantly are asking God for, you know, pretty much like a deliverance from something and you never receive yeah. it. So it's just like, am I worthy of it? Yeah. And then you go through the process of, do I really hear from him? Does he really love me? Does he really care for me? Stuff like that. And the feelings of unworth just kept coming, especially like uh, the, the enemy used it so much when I was wanting to really start coming back to church. Uh, because my mentality was like, you know, no, before I can go back to church, I have to be able to say that I'm not dealing with this anymore. Wow. I have to be able to say that, you know, like, I'm going to be celibate. I'm not going to deal with anything anymore. I'm not going to have to deal with these sexual desires anymore. I have to be able to come before him complete and holy and set aside. Yeah. Like the scriptures say. And the entire time, God was just sitting there like, baby, I don't care about you being whole. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not going to happen on your own. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want you to be with me. The rest of it will come. Mm-hmm. And so I did have a relationship. It lasted for like a year and a half. And but at, it was really funny because at the end of it, I we actually did break up right as I started going to Risen. Um, hmm. <laughs> there was also a couple other things that happened during that time period, but you know, wild things. Um, uh, so, gosh, I I kind of lost my thought. You know, when you talked about because we're this will be a two segment mm-hmm. um, <laughs> podcast. We already knew that before we ever started. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of wrap out today, but whenever you're talking about the yoke, um, automatically I think of, is it Mark 1130 or mm-hmm. I think it's Mark 1130 where he talks about my yoke is, uh, easy. My burden is light, mm-hmm. you know? And so like when we are carrying, um, you know, that, that burden, mm-hmm. that, that yoke, that whatever it is. And I mean, it's quite literally for you in the prosthetic, like being, what you were not doing that he was wanting mm-hmm. or desiring for you to do and willing for you to do. Um, how can, so as we're kind of ending this out and we'll go into another, in the next segment, mm-hmm. how can, when people, whether they're same sex attracted and that is something that they're dealing with right now, or if it's something else in their life, some other sin struggle um, or mm-hmm. what have you, what is your, is there any kind of scripture that you leaned on? What is your word of advice um, for them? Because you were able to run to your pastors um, mm-hmm. or what have you that were there and say, look, I'm, I need y'all to pray for me. I'm dealing with something right now. And you, God revealed, you know, through those relationships, that conversation, that, that prayer and within you, like, okay, this is the deal. Like, what do you, what do you tell people that don't necessarily have that or yeah. I mean I mean obviously they can they could come to you I mean I get that but oh, outside yeah. of that like what do you lean on what do you <sighs> tell them what do you okay um and while he's looking up I, I just want to encourage you guys there will be an episode two of this so we're going to end this one out but please listen next week because I think that there'll be some um some I'm going to share a little bit of my story that I've gotten permission to share and um, I think that you will get some, um, for those of you p- parents and people that have people close to you that are struggling with same-sex attraction, um, I'm hopeful that in this next episode you will be able to relate um, and maybe find some revelation in what it is that, that we will be sharing. So um, with that. Okay, so there's a... There's a couple different scriptures, and they're they're really kind of like hard scriptures for me. Okay. Um, they're things that have kind of just been with me for my entire like walk. 
Um, and the first one is Hebrews 11, you know, and I'm going to be reading, reading it out the NLT, but I personally remember it from the KJV. Uh, and I think that's what it, why it really sticks with me. It just sounds so much more eloquent. Mm-hmm. Um, but in NLT, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people of day, uh, in the days of old earned a good reputation. Um, and it says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's something that sticks with me now is because, again, coming through my journey with Christ, really having him show me who my identity and really understand who my identity is in him. That's something that is literally something that I see now, but could not have seen back then. Yeah. And then another one is Psalms 42. Um, and this is this is very important for me because a lot of the, the entire time that I was dealing with what I was dealing with, like I said, God kept saying, I just want to spend time with you. That's mm-hmm. all I want. Mm-hmm. And that was also what I wanted. I wanted to spend time with him. I didn't care about coming to church. I didn't care about doing anything with the church. I didn't care about, you know, dealing with any other people. All I wanted was God. Yeah. And a lot of people in the community that are same-sex attracted, they have that relationship with God at some point in their lives. They meet him at some point in their lives. And that's what they want. And I'm part of the, the whole legalism of it all. And, you know, it's, I honestly still think it's encouraged because you need community is for you to go and attend the church to be around like, like, uh, like-minded like believers and to, to really grow in that aspect. But sometimes, you know, like the community where you're at isn't where you're supposed to be. Yeah. You need to also realize that, you know, like, yes, this might have gotten you through the door at this church. This got you through the gate. But this isn't where God needs you to Come be on. all the time. Come on. And you need to go and be planted wherever God is really calling you to do. Yeah. And, you know, um, once you find uh, your tribe, because that's what we say at Resonation mm-hmm. pretty often. Once you find your tribe, you'll see that God's going to take you to places that you never thought you could. Yeah. And the scripture is from Psalms 42. And I'm starting at verse 1. Again, reading out the NLT. And it says, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I only have tears from food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, "Where is your God?" Mm. And this is a this is a very I almost cried just now. I was just reading it, but like mm. this was my heart during that season. You know, where is he? Where can I be with him? Where can I go? I know I'm gonna have to deal with people like taunting me and trying to just kind of put me down because of my situation, me being same sex attracted. And even now, that's a thing that I think will come about from this podcast. You know, people are gonna start trying to discredit things that God have been doing in my life. But at the same time, it's not about that. Yeah. I don't care about what you think. <laughs> I only care about what he thinks. Yeah. And he wants me to be with him. So wherever he wants me to be, wherever he's going to be at, that's where I'm going to be. Come on. And that's what I would say to these people that are dealing with what I'm dealing with, are people that are dealing with a burden. Uh, I actually told this to one of our youth leaders very recently. Um, sometimes we get so focused on the mountain before us that we lose sight of the God that is stronger than the mountain, Mm -hmm. you know? And when we do that, we focus so much on the the sin in our lives or the thing that has become a hindrance in our lives that we lose sight of the fact that God still reigns on the throne. 
And if all we need to do is keep our eyes focused on him, those other things will fall. And that was what really carried me through because I didn't go looking into the scriptures for things to like prove this or prove that or like to bolster my faith in that regard. Yes, I did end up going to scripture, but it was all completely God-led, you know, because I truly believe he strips away things when we're at a time where we're ready for him to, to work on that area. Yeah. But all I did was kept my eyes focused on him, kept my, my heart focused on him, you know, just kept pouring myself out before him. And through that and through the community that he had erected around me, I began to see the change come, yeah. come about. And it wasn't something that I was striving after. It wasn't something that I had to work hard for. It was literally just loving him, him loving me, and me being loved by his people. Come on. And that was what caused the change. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would say if you're dealing with a burden, if you're dealing with a struggle, you need to have someone that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you feel like you, can, you don't have not one person in your church that you can reach out to and they can love on you or show you that love, I honestly would say that that's probably not the place where you need to be. Wow. Because otherwise, you're going to constantly think that God's not loving you. Wow. You're going to constantly think that he's not there for you. And he's just like, no, I am. You just need to see me. Yeah. You need to find me. And just like the scripture says, you know, thirst for him. Seek him. Where can you, where, where is he? Where can you meet him? Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. For sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. I am, I, you know, I'm blown away by your, um, vulnerability. I told John the same thing. I mean, it's huge. Uh, so thank you for that because someone's, um, someone's freedom is on the other side of your obedience. And mm -hmm. I thank you for just your willingness to share all of these things. So we are going to continue this episode next week. So please join us for round two with our friend Jeremy Jones. And um, until next time, you, you guys know that you are very, very loved.